0: Welcome, everybody, to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, and I know it is for some of you, welcome. My name is John, the lead pastor around here. Appreciate you guys checking us out, giving us about an hour of your time on this Sunday morning. So today we are in week three of this series that we have been calling God's Honest Truth, where we are talking about these moments in time and moments throughout time, and even moments in our own lives, when Jesus sort of steps in to expose us to what we're calling the God's honest truth. And the, and the God's honest truth are these truths about God, uh, about the world, and even about ourselves sometimes. And these could be brand new truths, things that we have never heard before. And when we hear these things for the first time, it's just like, mind is blown. We never see the world the same way again. Or these could be truths that perhaps we were taught uh, as children. And maybe we've sort of forgotten them along the way, or maybe even we've just ignored them. Or these could be truths that we just don't want to believe are true. Now, depending upon how we respond to the God's honest truth, it can absolutely change the the direction and the quality of our lives. Of the God's honest truth, Jesus says it like this, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, meaning, even though my teaching is tough, he would say, even though the God's honest truth is tough, right? even though it might make you feel uncomfortable at, at times, even though it might appear to be impractical at other times, even even though it might feel unattainable, countercultural, I mean, even though you might think my teaching is is politically incorrect, he would say, if you would just hold, if you would just pause if you would allow it to wash over you, if you would allow it to enter your heart, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so every single week in this series, we are examining a moment in time when Jesus dropped some truth on people or he does something or he says something that, that causes you to reevaluate what you thought that you knew. And for those folks that we've looked at who have the, the courage To embrace the God's honest truth, they saw firsthand that the truth actually will set you free. So today we are looking at a great story. In fact, this is the first time we've ever covered this story before in the history of of DHC. And uh, it's a funny story. It's a challenging story. And what we're going to see is a man who discovers a truth that many of us, if we're honest, struggle with. He learned that you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And this is so simple, yet this right here can be one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest barriers or mountains or walls between us and having faith in Jesus Christ. Because so many of us have sort of bought into this mindset that before we can put our faith in Jesus, we got to answer all of our questions. And we got a lot of questions. We have to banish all doubt. We need to remove all the mystery. We got to cross all the Ts, dot all the I's. And then and only then, when all of my questions have been answered, then and only then I can put my faith in Jesus. But today we're going to discover a very simple yet liberating truth. That you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. That, that you don't have to get all of your questions answered to put your faith in someone. So today's story takes place in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. John actually records the entire story for us. It is the entire chapter. We're actually going to go through the whole story. It's fast-moving, but it is a great one. If you have your scriptures, you can open up to John, and we're going to start in the very beginning with verses 1. It says this. Now, speaking of Jesus, it says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man? or his parents, that he was born blind. So now right off the bat, we see something here. We see that the disciples, well, they're holding on to a truth about God that is not a truth about God. Now, at this time, around 2,000 years ago or so, and a little bit before that, there were several, um, shall we say, prevailing Jewish beliefs as to why people were born with particular disabilities, shall we call them. Um, And in this instance, we're talking about a man who was born blind. Now, some Jewish people believed, as the disciples evidenced here, that certain people were born with disabilities because their parents sinned. That somewhere in the past, mom did something or, or dad did something. And because of that, God is now punishing you because of their sins. Now, there are some others who believe that certain people were born with disabilities because they actually sinned in the womb. Now, I don't know how that works, okay? But at some level, they believed that a fetus, I guess you could say, or a child still in the womb was able to sin, okay? Your guess is as good as mine as to how that works. But that's what they believed. And lastly, there was a belief that certain people were born disabled because of sins not yet committed. That, that you were born this way because of something you will do in the future, God's just getting you now for it, okay? Now imagine if you believe these things to be true about God, how do you think your relationship with God will be? Probably not great. So Jesus kind of steps in to sprinkle a little of the old God's honest truth on this confusion. And he goes, guys, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Okay. That's not a thing. All right. So, can we stop sort of pushing that narrative because that's not helping anybody get closer to God? He says, but it's a big but. This happened so that now he's letting them know why this man was born blind. He goes, This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He is introducing to these disciples to the world, and perhaps even to you, for the very first time, a brand new truth, that there are instances when things will happen to us in order to spotlight God's glory. Now, this is not the only time that Jesus sort of teaches this truth. In fact, in a couple of chapters, when one of his close family friends, a guy named Lazarus, he gets sick, Jesus is late to heal him, and he dies. Jesus then subsequently brings this man back to life. And it's at this moment that Jesus reiterates this truth that he's just introduced here. Speaking of Lazarus' situation, he says this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So I just want to make sure that we understand this new truth that Jesus is introducing us. Jesus is saying that there are times in our lives when we must endure hardships. And the reason that we have to endure those hardships is so that God or Jesus can be glorified. Now, let's be honest. That is a truth that makes us uncomfortable. That's a truth that we don't like. No one's pumped right now because you've just learned, right? no one's like, oh, this is great news. I can't wait for, you know, for some, okay? I, can't, I don't know about you, right? But I would rather, you know, glorify God by, uh, you know, winning an award, okay? And you walk up to the podium and you take the award and you give him the old Christian pointing up to the, you know, that kind of a thing. Give God glory that way, all right? I'm not interested in having to die or get maimed or, or have something going on in my life in order for God to be glorified. But this is the reality of the God's honest truth. It pushes us out of our comfort zone, and it's true whether we want to believe it or not. Then Jesus does something a little unusual. He does something that if you've ever had an older brother or perhaps a younger brother or a younger sibling, maybe you have experienced this in your life. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, with no warning, Jesus spits on the ground. And he made mud with the saliva, and then he spread the mud into the blind man's eyes. Okay? Now, imagine you're the blind man, right? You can't see because you're blind. And all of a sudden, you are surrounded by a group of men that you do not know. They are talking about you as though you are not there. And all of a sudden, (laughs) guys, what's going on? It's fine. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. (laughs) Okay, And now this man is panicking, but all of a sudden Jesus takes this spit mud, puts it into the guy's eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And John says Siloam means this word sent, and he's just alluding to the fact that this water is brought to the pool by an aqueduct. It was a a feat of engineering, so he's just letting you know more about the pool. So Jesus listens to this guy, and he says, so The man went and washed and came home seeing. For the first time in biblical record, this is someone being healed of their blindness who was born blind. This is a big deal. This is particularly a big deal because scripture is very clear as to who is the one that actually heals the blind. In Psalm 146.8, we learn that the Lord gives sight to the blind. And this word Lord here is Yahweh. We're talking about the big G, God. And then speaking of the Messiah, in Isaiah 35.5, it says, When the Messiah comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. And so by doing this miracle, Jesus drops an absolute nuclear bomb of truth onto this world. He is announcing, having not said a word, that he is God and he is the Messiah. So the guy goes and he washes his eyes off and and he can see, and he is, he's pumped. Okay. And so he makes a beeline back to his house. He doesn't even go see Jesus. Remember, he he has no idea what Jesus looks like. He gets healed and he runs back home. He wants to show mom. He wants to show dad. He wants everybody to see it. And this is where the story takes on a little bit of a different tone. Now he's back home in the neighborhood. And it says his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some of them claimed that it was. Others said, no, can't be. It only looks like him. I mean, the transformation in this guy's life was so significant that people are having a hard time believing that it's actually him, and they start arguing. It's him, it's not him. It can't be him, it's him. And all of a sudden he's like, yo, guys, it is me. I am the man. You're looking at him. Now, here's what's so strange. This man has been heagled of blindness. His life has been changed forever. The world has seen something that has never seen before a blind man get their sight back. And all it did was cause them to argue with each other. There's no celebration because they can't explain how a blind man can now see. So they start to quiz him. And they go, well, how then were your eyes opened? And I gotta imagine the guy is like, who cares? I mean, who cares about the details? I can see. I thought we'd be dancing in the street. I thought we'd be throwing a party or something, but all you guys want is an explanation? All right, well, you know, the man they call Jesus made some mud leaves out the spit part made some mud and put it on my eyes and he told me to go to salome and wash so i went and i washed and then i could see basically i know three things okay i know his name was jesus i heard them use it he put mud on my eyes and and now i can see that's all i got but whatever i i can see and they go well where is this man Huh? Well, where, where is he? Oh, and I gotta imagine he's thinking, who cares? I can, I can say, yeah, but we're gonna need to know where this guy is before we can start celebrating whatever this is that just occurred. Discouraged, the guy responds with what will be his sort of catchphrase for the day. He goes, "I, I don't know. I, 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 I I'm sorry, guys. I just, I, I, I don't know where he is." I don't really know how all this happened. I, I, I don't know who he is. I don't, I don't know what he, I, what he looks like. But, but I can see. Can we not focus on that, please? But they could. Because people want answers. People need cut and dry, black and white, categorical answers to their questions, and this guy wasn't giving them what they wanted. So... They figured they'd bring in the big guns to sort of suss out exactly what's going on here. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind, right? So this should go well. Because whenever the Pharisees enter the picture, we know it's going to be smooth sailing from that point on. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Rookie mistake, Jesus! Come on, man, you should have known better. What are you doing? You doing? You can't. You can't do work on the Sabbath. Don't you know that? You can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. You can't make mud on the Sabbath because that's needing. Rookie mistake, Jesus. Ooh, that's a shame. So the Pharisees begin the investigation. The Pharisees also asked him. It says, "How he had received his sight? He put mud on my eyes," the man said and I washed, and now I can see. we good? Can we celebrate now? Because there is a whole world out there that I wanna go see. I wanna go look at the ocean. I wanna go see some puppies. I wanna see those trees, okay? And I wanna stop looking at all y'all. Now, some of the Pharisees said, this man, speaking of Jesus now, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. In other words, this man, Jesus, isn't from God because We know what God is like because we have gotten in a box right here. We know what he does and we know what he doesn't do. We're aware of how he acts and how he doesn't act and how he should act. He's right here. And because we have a perfect understanding of God and because we've got a perfect grasp of the Sabbath, we know that God would never perform a miracle on the Sabbath. You see, they couldn't explain it, so they refused to believe it. What you're claiming, that habit, that, does, that, that doesn't make sense through my lens of understanding. So we're going to dismiss it as being not from God. But others in the group go, well, hold on a second. How can a sinner, though, perform such signs? So they were divided, okay? You got half of the Pharisees going, it's not God. God wouldn't, God couldn't, God shouldn't do this on the Sabbath. You got the other half saying, well hold on, maybe we've got Sabbath wrong. Maybe maybe we're a little confused on this thing. Great taste, less filling. Meanwhile, the poor guy gets his sight back and no one is celebrating it because no one could explain it. And then these Pharisees do something that, as far as my memory serves me, I don't ever remember them doing before. They actually ask the average person for some theological insight. It says, then they turned again to the blind man and go, Well, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened, right? What's your take on this? And the man replied, He is a prophet. I guess. I mean, I would have to say he's a problem. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we're so focused on the things that we don't know. I don't know why we're so focused on, on the unexplainable. And why are we not focusing on what is undeniable? I can see. It says the Jewish leaders, though, still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. This right here is where so many of us live since we haven't seen it, since we can't explain it, since we don't believe that God would do it, we refuse to believe it. Their beliefs were based on being able to put all of the pieces together, not on what was undeniably true, that a blind man could see. So they call on the parents, we need to talk to you, come on. They line them up there, and this is where it really begins to get interesting. Asking of mom and dad, is this your son? They asked, is this the one you say was born blind? How then, how is it now that he can see? And they respond, well, we, we know he is our son. That we know, okay? And, and we know he was born blind. Again, something that we know. But, you know, how he can see now or, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. All right. We are in terra incognita, uncharted territory. We are as in the dark as you guys. And then they do something that's strange. The parents almost begin to sort of distance themselves from their own son. And they say, ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. It's an odd response. You almost get the feeling like they're throwing their son under the bus or something. It's like, don't look at us, okay? We know nothing, right? We don't, this is, we, we got no idea what's going on here. This is between you and him. Just leave us out of it. And then John, the author of the gospel, steps in just to sort of explain to us why the parents appear to be intimidated. He says his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And so the parents are being very guarded about how they talk about Jesus. This guy they never met, right? Or or their son has ever seen. Because if they get thrown out of the synagogue, that's a big deal. If you were excommunicated from the synagogue, that made you a social pariah. If you were here during our Christmas series, um, you'll remember the shepherds. This would now put them in the same category as the shepherds. They would no longer be able to go to the temple. And because they couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't atone for their sins. Because they couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't celebrate the holy days with their other Jewish friends. And because they couldn't go to the temple, they couldn't read or be read scripture because there's only one copy. And so if they say the wrong thing about this Jesus guy, they don't know. It could cripple their life. And they can sense the tension. They They can feel the hostility in the room. And rather being able to celebrate what is undeniable, their son can see for the very first time in his life, they kept their mouths shut. And they put the heat back on their son. The Pharisees called the guy back in. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. So now they got the guy in the hot seat. Now they got him pinned against the wall. It's like Stabler, and that's for you. Giving him one last chance. All right, it's now or never, buddy. Tell the truth. Give God the glory. Jesus is a sinner. Say it. I want you to hear you say it. Say it. Jesus is a sinner. Now it's like it's getting hostile in there. Man kind of gathers himself, and he replies, "Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't. I I don't know." But the one thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. I don't know who he is. I don't don't, don't know where he is. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know. I I can't speak about the Sabbath. I, I, I don't know anything about being a sinner. I can't explain the unexplainable, but I'm willing to embrace the undeniable. I was blind. And now I see. I was one way, and then I met this man that they called Jesus, and now I am a new and different person. Wow. What a moment. I mean, imagine like, the, the electricity in that room as this man gave this tremendous proclamation of faith. Then they asked him, so what did he do to you? Well, how did he open your eyes? You've got to be kidding me, I feel like he would say. This is a joke, right? There's a camera here somewhere. This is out of control. Now the guy is really beginning to losing it. And he goes, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples too? Oh my gosh, all right? The disciples in the background go, my man did not just say that. Oh, this is now, okay. This is guy's nuts. He's losing his mind. Well, you can imagine that this was not well-received. And then they hurled insults at him. Trains off the tracks. Now it's just chaos in that room because they can't explain it and they don't understand it. So now they're lashing out at those who believe it. They say, you are this male fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. And we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, We don't even know where he comes from, which is a veiled insult at Jesus's virgin birth. We don't even know who his real dad is. Now, this man appears to be emboldened by the situation. And he says, why, that's very strange. Okay. He healed my eyes. And yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. To this they replied, you were steeped at sin at birth. Now they're taking a shot as to why he was born blind. You were steeped at sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out, excommunicated riding high in April, shot down in May. The same day this guy got his sight, he is thrown out of the temple because the Pharisees couldn't keep God in their little box. They couldn't explain it. And so they would reject it. Well, Jesus, here's the news. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, and I love that. That means that Jesus went looking for this guy. And when he had found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And this was that phrase that Jesus used to describe himself, the son of man, more than any other way. Do you believe in the son of man? Now, this is the first time this man is now in Jesus's presence, recognizing his voice, I believe. And he goes, who is he? Sir, the man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus is like, wait, don't you want to hear anymore? Nah, don't need to. Listen, I was blind. Now I see you're the guy who did it. You tell me where he is. You tell me what I need to believe and I'll believe it where is this guy? Jesus says, you have now seen him. What a powerful word. In fact, he is the one speaking with you now. Man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Lord, there is a lot that I don't understand. There are a lot of, of, unanswered questions, some things that don't make sense, but, but but there are things that are undeniable. I was blind and now I see and you're the one who healed me. So I believe. You know, there are times that folks come up to me after messages like this or messages that we speak on, on, on doubt and um, they'll say, John, do you ever doubt? I mean, like you know, you read the Bible a lot, but like, are you? Do you ever wrestle around with doubt? Yeah, I do. Everybody does. If you are a Christian, there is going to come a time in your life when you will wrestle with doubt. The disciples did. Jesus never threw them out because they doubted. He just helped them walk through it. Now, what I have come to learn about my own doubt, and, and maybe you'll agree, but I begin to doubt when I start to hyper focus shall we say, on the missing piece, on the, yeah, but what about, but why did you, Lord, but, but why didn't you? When we begin to focus, hyper-focus on, on sort of that which is unexplainable rather than on what is undeniable, we begin to doubt. Because from a half inch away, I mean, if all you're doing is looking at this this missing piece from a half inch away, you have no idea what you're looking at. And all you're going to have are questions. But if you can actually step back and look at the big picture, it's undeniable. And, And it's not that you sort of found the piece all of a sudden. It's not that you got your question answered. It's just, You no longer need this piece in order to see that which is undeniable. See, what I believe is that faith requires seeing the bigger picture. It does. And what I've learned is that in those moments of doubt, when we feel ourselves being pulled in to the missing piece, if we can start to shift our focus from that which is unexplainable to that which is undeniable, our faith will soar. So what do you do with a message like this? What's practical. If it's your first time here, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So maybe today there's someone in the room or someone online or, or listening to the podcast. Maybe you are someone who believes that unless you get all of your questions answered, unless you can banish all doubt, wipe away all mystery, unless you can cross all the T's, dot all the I's, unless everything makes sense, you can't put your faith in Jesus. If that's you, okay, I can work with that. So I got one more question to sort of add to your list. And it's this what answer will take you over the line of faith? What's that one answer that you're waiting for? to receive before you say yes to Jesus Christ. And could it be, and I say this with all due respect because we're all friends here, but is it possible that you've already heard the answer? It just doesn't fit in your box. It's not how you saw God acting. It's not the way that you thought about yourself or how the world worked. Now, one of the things that I have learned throughout ministry, working here, working in other churches, having conversations with people. One of the things that I've learned is that very rarely will someone come to faith after working through a list of questions. It happens sometimes, just very rarely. Rather, something personal will happen that will just shrink the questions that we have. That's what we saw today. I I don't know everything but there's one thing that I do know. I was blind. Now I see. There are still a load of unanswered questions. They just don't matter anymore. Because I've had a moment. And what I've seen is, is undeniable. For other believers in the room, you, you might say, you know, listen, I, I can't explain evolution you know, versus creationism. I, I, I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I can't explain Noah's Ark and how all that worked or didn't work I, I I can't explain the virgin birth. I don't know why certain things are, are called sins in the Bible, but there's one thing that I do know. My life was a mess. My life was one way. and then I met a guy named Jesus. and now I'm a new person. Yeah, I still have a lot of questions. There's some things that don't make sense, but In light of the big picture, those questions, they just don't, they don't shipwreck my faith. So if you are someone who believes that you really do gotta know everything before you can believe in something, you need to get every answer to every question. Would you be so bold as to pray? God, I wanna know you more then I want to know the answers to my questions because we can spend a lifetime chasing every answer to every question, and we can miss out on an amazing opportunity to have eternal life, to have a relationship with Jesus right here, right now, going into forever. And if you have the courage to embrace the God's honest truth, even though it might be difficult to grasp at times, even though you can't fit all the pieces together sometimes, and even though it might make you uncomfortable at times, if you have the courage to embrace the God's honest truth, he will give you eyes to see and the truth will set you free. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for the opportunity that we could come here today and just talk about a part of life, honestly, Lord, that is a struggle for all of us. There are things in this world that as humans we will never understand. And because you've given us an amazing brain, we, we sometimes chase our answers to our own detriment. God, I pray, Lord, that if there is someone here today who is struggling with doubt. If we have someone here today, Lord, that is, that is on a mission to find out more and yet they never seem to, to, to get enough information to bring them over the line of faith, I pray that today in a supernatural way you would reach into their lives and allow them to have a moment that would shrink their questions. Lord, you sent your son so that we may know you. And I pray that today we would. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for opening our eyes to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.